Hey, this is Daryl. We have a great US v England review show for you today. First, I want to make sure you know about our live show, July 13th in DC at Audi Field. It's us and it's the Cooligans and it's going to be some very special guests. Tickets are $20 plus a $1 inconvenience fee. The URL to get those tickets is totalsoccershow.com slash live. totalsoccershow.com slash L-I-V-E. Type that into your browser or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who loves to sip on his cup of tea with his <laughs> little pinky finger out. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Because if you don't know the pinky out, it's not dignified. Hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, is it weird that I enjoyed Alex Morgan's celebration? Apparently, since uh, at least one person of the English media was uh, not pleased about it. Yeah, I'm actually not sure who that was. She was on uh, Bean Sports. Yeah. yeah but um, I loved it because it was like, choose to celebrate however you want. You can celebrate. You scored the goal. But I just don't think you should celebrate that, that way. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I think, so again, I watched this game as a neutral, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. just really enjoyed the end-to-end action and enjoyed knowing I was going to have a team in the World Cup final no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I enjoyed the Alex Morgan celebration, not because it was an insult like to the English or to the English yeah. players. I think it's because the tabloids went after the Daily Mail. a little bit. It's yeah. a shot back at the Daily Mail. Yeah, it is. Right? Uh, tiny teacup-sized shot fired at the Daily Mail. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, because it definitely wasn't a shot at England. It wasn't mocking the English players or anything like uh, that. It was definitely just making fun of, like, because <laughs> she was one of the two. It was her and Megan Rapinoe who were depicted as being arrogant or yes. whatever. Yes. I can't remember which paper it was, but I'm pretty confident it was the Daily yeah, Mail. It, sounds, it was them or the Sun, probably. They have a distinctive font. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Garbage. <laughs> it's garbage it's just font. different garbage cans. It's yes. a xenophobic font. You have to... <laughs> You have to order it special from Microsoft. Um, anyway, <laughs> should we get on with the game? I don't think you order the xenophobic font from Microsoft. Adobe? I think that <laughs> sure, I guess. <laughs> yes, let's get to the game. Okay, so um, the game finished. Yeah. United States 2, England mm-hmm. 1. Uh, the U.S. took the lead. England equalized. U.S. took the lead. England had an offside goal, then a penalty kick, which was missed by Steph Houghton. All kinds of stuff to talk about. We're going to break down all those goals. But first, we want to talk lineups and tactics because it was all really interesting, right? So, two big shocks in the lineups. Yes. Right? Let's start with the one everyone's been talking about. Megan Rapinoe did not start, did not play. That one was so shocking that when I told you the lineup, the thing that we thought might be shocking uh, of um, Lindsey Horan starting instead of Sam Mewis, yeah. that didn't even register to me because, <laughs> it, because such, such was my surprise that Megan Rapinoe did not start. Uh, many other people. Surprised by that one. Yeah. Um, and we kind of had a theory on that. It seems like maybe it's a combination of those two things. Yeah. Uh, so should we get to that now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I want to talk about it. All right. uh, yeah, so the I think the, the main reason that's being given right now mm-hmm. is that Megan Rapinoe had a hamstring strain. Yes. Uh, Grant Wall, actually, before the game, I think he might be the only one to figure this out. He was kind of, he tweeted mm-hmm. that yesterday Rapinoe trained with tape on her right hamstring. Right. Suggesting there's a bit of a problem there. Um, Jenny Taft said she managed to ask Rapino. This mm-hmm. was like uh, she tweeted this a few minutes or well, fifteen minutes after the game, saying Rapino said she had a hamstring issue, so she that's why she didn't play today. Right. But yeah. either either by just look that this worked out mm-hmm. in this way, or the hamstring hamstring injury is maybe fifty percent of it, and the other fifty percent is the tactical stuff. 
this kind of worked out tactically for the United States. Yes, it absolutely yeah. did. And and I think, honestly, I think that it, it really is a case of a thing being two things. Yeah. Here because – Is even, one of those things a fake hamstring injury? No, it's, it's not. not. Right? Okay. No, but if you look at if you look at the way U.S. Uh, officials responded to this, it was no comment. We'll leave it to Jill Ellis to comment after the game. All we can say is that it's not a disciplinary issue. Yeah. So if you remove – Which immediately made me think, is it a disciplinary <laughs> issue? <laughs> I mean, I think that would – you'd have to be a little more – obvious about because yeah. Megan Rapinoe is not one to just sort of like toe the line <laughs> like if there's a thing that she th- like yeah, is yeah. being punished for she's going to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, we would know about it, right? Yeah. But I guess what I mean to say though is that like it's either disciplinary issue, tactical decision or injury and if you're saying well it's definitely not a disciplinary issue that it leaves two remaining and I uh-huh. feel like it's probably some combination of the two that maybe Jill Ellis yes. was already concerned about the sort of lack of uh, defense on that left side if Rapino started because as we talked about she stayed higher up against France and mm-hmm. that worked out well against England the England we thought we would see uh, I don't know if that would have worked and so maybe it was already in her mind to bring Kristen Preston who is yeah. uh, by all accounts one of the fittest and fastest players on the US national team and bestest yeah I mean today yeah. uh, so I think maybe that was already like on Jill Ellis's mind yeah. and then yeah when, when Megan Rapinoe says like oh, I've got like a slight like I could probably go like she probably could have gone I would be my guess but yes that's mine too that she could go but she's not fully fit and maybe it's not a good setup for her anyway and if she maybe yeah. we go Kristen Press exactly yeah. sorry I stepped on that one but yeah that's the key thing right because if it's already maybe not necessarily a good fit and now you're getting her at even in like 5% reduced speed yeah. that's, all, that's even more of a concern because it's all about the threat mm-hmm. of Lucy Bronze overlapping from right back yeah. right she's one of the fastest Mm-hmm. one of the best players in the tournament. She's really, really dangerous. And like, like we saw against um, France, Rapino stayed high. Tobin Heath did the defensive work on the other side. Mm-hmm. It had to be the other way around this time. Yep. And then you're not getting the best out of Megan Rapino, asking her to track back against someone who's maybe faster and stronger than her. Um, and you're just not getting the best of Rapino, and you're giving more opportunity to Lucy Brands. Right? Exactly. And especially when she's injured. But, you can so, have- but Kristen Press worked because yeah. she has the pace to keep up with Lucy Brands and the pace to exploit the space Brands leaves behind. The, and she scored the first goal after 10 minutes, so it really did work out. Yeah, and before we get to that goal, I, I want oh, yeah, to also... Oh, I've got more tactical things I want to talk right. about before oh, we get course, into the yeah. goals. Yeah. Because I also want to, I want to go back to Lindsay Horan starting as well. Yes. Because she started on like the left side of that midfield three in a 4-3-3. And if you go back and watch this, she consistently is also shifting over to that side yeah, where overloading. Crystal Press is and Crystal Dunn. And yeah, and suddenly an area of vulnerability or potential vulnerability for the United States that England maybe wanted to attack... The U.S. already has three players sitting there waiting yep. to defend that space, and it makes it harder for England to find a way through. And on the flip side, yep. I think Phil Neville got this wrong with his selection. I agree. Can I say one more thing about Lindsay yeah. being out wide? Because it factors into this sort of. Um, because we are also worried about how the U.S. deals without Sam Mewis, who is the tallest midfielder there, maybe in the team. Yeah. Um, how they do do with like winning uh, 50-50 challenges, winning goal kicks. With Joe Scott being 5'11". And this was another, exactly. And this was another moment where I think Jill Ellis had a game plan. That we would see Lindsay Horan drift all the way to like the left-hand side of midfield. She yeah. would have Kristen Press near her. And it seemed to be the goal was get Lindsay Horan a little bit further forward and aim for her every time and yep. she'll flick it on she'll contest the ball and then we have again numbers around to pick that ball up so it felt like Jill Ellis game planned that left side really really yep. well and I think maybe Phil Neville thought she might do that and tried mm-hmm. to adjust but even his adjustments didn't make as much sense as we yep. thought they would I mean yeah so Jill Ellis outcoached Phil Neville yep. here right it's almost as if the 2015 World Cup winning coach knows what she's doing I'm gonna say it again I've said it a lot 100% agree yep mm-hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah the things Phil Neville got wrong 
What's been working for England? Mm. Their major threat this whole tournament has been Lucy Bronze overlapping from right back, combining with Nikita Paris. They're really developing a sort of really good understanding and partnership and they switch this way and that mm. way and it all really works. And then Frank Kirby as the central attacking midfielder. Yes. Phil Neville, I think, got a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of having Nikita Paris out wide, he moves her to the middle. So she's the central attacking midfielder where she's talented, but she's not as good as Frank Kirby. Drops Frank Kirby. And this is some Frank Kirby injury that I don't know about, but she looked fine when she came she on. She came right? on on the 58th, I think. So, yeah, yeah she wasn't that hurt. So Nikita Paris in the middle, all. Frank Kirby dropped. And then Rachel Daly, who is essentially a right back for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Playing on the right wing. Daly didn't have a terrible game, but it seemed like Neville had tried to shore up that right side by almost saying, we'll have a more defensive player play wide right in Rachel Daly and we'll let Lucy Bronze um, overlap from there. But he, he, he just broke apart the partnership that was working and removed Frank Kirby. This, exactly. This whole thing was, I think, a maybe overthought type move from Phil Neville that absolutely did not pay off for England. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, I know that we, the media, are not, like, always the best way to, like, judge these decisions, at least in the moment. But it is telling to me that when we saw these starting lineups, you and I thought, oh, okay, so it's going to be daily at right back. Lucy Bronze goes to center midfield, right? Yeah. Then suddenly... It's, it's being talked about. Like, no, Lucy Bronze is definitely going to play right back. I think Fox had it as Rachel Daly as the left midfielder. Lucy yeah. Bronze is the right no back. No one knew where she was going to go, did they? But that, that is telling right there. Yes. That it sort of is like, well, hold on. Now this doesn't make sense. You wouldn't move Nikita Paris out of right wing. So yeah, that, he I mean, must by the be way, doing something else. She's not like she's a number 10 and she yeah. just gets forced onto the right wing. She plays right yeah. wing for Manchester. She played right wing for Man City. Yeah. She'll play right wing for Leon. She absolutely She's will. played right wing for England throughout this yep. tournament. Moving her to the center, she's just not as good no. as she's on the right wing. And she's not as good as Frank Kirby at that job. Right. So. I'm sure there was there was some method to this, but yeah. I don't really know what it was because it really ends up backfiring for Phil Neville. That I think this was far and away Lucy Bronze's worst game. She still is involved. She still makes good plays. It's yeah. not like she had a, necessarily even a bad game. Just by her very lofty standard, yep. it was not a good game. Yep. It was a bronze game instead of a gold game. Exactly. Uh, but <laughs> then I think also it had the knock-on effect of I think this is – the the most ineffective we've seen Nikita Paris and I think part of her frustration at the end some of the shoving I think she ends up getting a yellow card or at least getting a she kick does. in she definitely does I have a feeling that that comes back to if you spend an entire game kind of playing in an area that you don't necessarily play or aren't necessarily used to and it doesn't seem like it's working eventually I think that frustration boils over so let's talk about what the US were trying sure. to do because the game plan was interesting it right? really was I, okay. again I think Jill Ellis it's, it is an example to me of she looked at England. She looked at what England want to do. She managed to play out of their strengths and kind of then adjusted her game plan and put England on the defensive or made them uncomfortable because yep. she refused to have the United States have possession. Yep. What we didn't do is when England had the ball in possession yep. coming out the back, we didn't go press them. Like we Even with someone called Kristen Press in the team, we didn't go press them. It really <laughs> so that, sets it up for the button, clue, doesn't yeah. it? Right? Maybe, maybe, they, maybe that was a misdirect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead, uh, we had... Most of the US, the back four and the midfield five, which I is did what find it became. It, I did find it weird that she left uh, Lindsay sit deep and defend on the bench. That was odd. I don't know why she, but she left Kristen. Press it would have been a giveaway. Yeah, probably. That's true. <laughs> so the back four stays where it is. The midfield five, which I'm mm-hmm. including the wingers, Heath and Press, would come back and join the central three. So you've got a midfield five, would really sit behind yep. the halfway line and let England come forward, yep. let England build, and then leave this massive gap between the US midfield and Alex Morgan who stayed really high, right? Mm -hmm. Which looks like Morgan's not doing her job and not coming back with everybody else. 
But there's method to this madness, Which right? is maybe what a slightly agitated Total Soccer Show uh, co-host with a beard said a yeah. couple different times. We, were, we won't say which one. No, definitely not. <laughs> of course not. But he had an American accent. He did. <laughs> and then England would invite uh, – sorry, the US would – I'm confused about my teams. Mm-hmm. The US would invite England yep. on, eventually win the ball back off them because they trust themselves to win some contests. And then uh, Heath and Press would stream out wide. Mm-hmm. Morgan would already be high. And then you can hit kind of – Direct balls from O'Hara, from Dalcamper, from Sauerbrunn, from Dunn. Direct balls in behind the very high England because their defence has moved up. They've left space in behind. We've got three now pacey attackers yep. that can get after them. We send balls in behind for them to chase and get England running backwards. Yeah, a couple things there. You you spotted this in the first, what, minute or two minutes there about? That, oh, like, I like to break. Like, uh, the United States do go after England. They are pressing them because it's a situation where I think maybe England have a goal kick or a goal yeah. kick or a throw-in. No, no, it's, it's when the U.S. have turned the ball Thank over. You. We counter-press. Yeah. We don't press. So, yeah. but, so because the United States have turned the ball over in England's defensive third, now you have the numbers there. So they do press and press and yeah. press and everybody steps. And It's the classic like Guardiola thing, mm-hmm. win the ball back after you lose it. But you yeah. see why it wasn't a full-on dedication to that game plan for the United States because England play out of that press. Yep. And this was a, spot, a thing that you pointed out, so I want to give you the credit here, is that like, but then as soon as England evade the press enough that it's clearly not going to be on, everybody Class. drops in. and now except suddenly, Alex Morgan. Except Alex Morgan. But now suddenly if you're England and maybe you think there's going to be pockets of space and areas to switch, you look around and the United States are in their defensive yep. shape. There's not a lot of places to go. And maybe this is part of the Lucy Bronze problem yeah. in terms of her not having a good game. There wasn't mm-hmm. space for her to dribble and attack into, right? There wasn't space for Lucy Bronze to exploit. Yes. Yeah. And so I think I said you spotted this in like the third minute or so, maybe the first minute. Uh, where it really came into my mind was the 18th minute. So uh, nine times better by you. Uh, but it's <laughs> When there's like a ball bouncing, and Julie Ertz, uh, I would say she's not like the most technical player on the team, but yeah. she can settle the ball and play yeah. and like find space and knows how to operate as a central midfielder. Not everyone she can be Rose Lavelle. This is true. But in the 18th minute, there's a ball where she has a decent amount of time and space, and she just volleys the ball over her head 40 yards up the field. And that right there to me is the most specific evidence of do not mess around with the ball. If you think maybe you're in a vulnerable position, if you think you're about to get pressed, get rid of the ball play in behind, yep. then we'll all step up, and then England will have to try to play through us again. Yep, I think that's the exact game plan. Anything else tactically before we uh, get into the goals? Um, I mean, I just I would like to point out once again that I, th- I think Jill Ellis really got it right because of the kind of... And it's a thing that you and I talked about it with the U.S. men playing Jamaica and how we're not sure if they have the ability to both sit back when they need to, but also yeah. kind of counter-press and play that high press mm-hmm. at times. Oh, by the way, uh, U.S. men versus Thank Jamaica you. preview will be published maybe an hour or two after this podcast. That's right. We, already, we talked about it earlier. We haven't published yeah, that show yet. it's not yet. in the world yet. But that was my concern with, like, I don't know if they have the experience and, like, the uh, the style so far to be able to execute both of those simultaneously. Yeah. Here the U.S. did because I think they've had so much time together, so many, like, repetitions and practice and, and so many moments of experimentation that I think they were set up to yep. execute this game plan perfectly. Okay, speaking of game plan, maybe there's one more thing we should talk about. Oh, then hmm. then an ad break, then the goals. Okay. That. Um, we do it again. We switch back to the 5-4-1. Yep. When we start looking vulnerable at 2-1 up, I mean, it's after Ellen White it's, scores, yes. but her goal is ruled offside. It's, it's literally when we look the most vulnerable. Yep. Yes. Then we switch back mm-hmm. to the 5-4-1. And apart from giving away the penalty yeah. that England then missed, yeah. it mostly works. It mostly works. Yeah. And I think that penalty... In as much as it's like VAR and some strange moments in there, most most of that comes down to Fran Kirby, who had subbed on at yeah. that point. And so, again, we go back to Phil Neville making some mistakes because it's a moment of magic from Fran Kirby that yeah. kind of are tears gonna, apart the Are United we going to detail it later, maybe? Yeah, we'll get to it later. All right. Okay, so thumbs up for the 5-4-1. Even though it's like both times we've done it, it's mm-hmm. looked 
mostly solid in terms of I just trust Sauerbrunn, I trust Ertz when she's playing mm-hmm. centre-centre-back, I trust Dalkamper to head things away and we clear the ball and we can hold on for a good 20 or, or 30 minutes, right? Yeah, I mean, Maybe it's, it's, we, good, it's, it's good enough. It's good enough, although uh, one person did not like it, I think tongue-in-cheek. Uh, Matt Doyle tweeted, I'm tired of seeing the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. women's national team struggle to put away tiny island nations in tournament play. Needs to be better next round. <laughs> I love Matt Doyle. Daryl's laughing and not smashing things. It's just that technically is incorrect because England is not an island nation. Because Scotland and Wales are attached. I don't care for you anymore. Just saying. This is why your country loses. Just (laughs) (laughs) Loses country after country. This is true. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So we'll get to the individual moments uh, and some of the highlights. Yeah, Matt Doyle's Doyle's meanness has made me hungry. All right. Uh, I've got one more for you. (laughs) Uh, Chimmy930 on Twitter would like to know if England has checked out of the hotel yet. (laughs) (laughs) Is he a U.S. soccer staff member? <laughs> I don't know. If he is, he should know. He's probably got people there uh, on the ground ready to throw their stuff out. That would be kind of hilarious <laughs> if they were all waiting for England. Just standing to outside the hotel. Yeah, tapping their watches. <laughs> <laughs> what time to check out? Shouldn't you be gone? <laughs> all right. Well, before we continue to make Daryl sad by making fun of his uh, nation, we should probably talk about today's sponsor, HelloFresh. HelloFresh? <laughs> Oh, I thought you were saying hello to me. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. That's right. HelloFresh does all the meal planning, the shopping, the prepping, so you can focus on a healthier you and a happier family. So say you've got uh, like the the U.S. women's game on today or maybe the final, but you're like preparing a meal at the time. You don't want to have to do all these different steps and kind of think independently. Like you don't want to have to put in like creative thought to a thing while you're trying to pay attention to a game. But if you've got like a step-by-step instruction, pictures to help you go along, you're fine. You don't even need to think. Even I can follow it. Mm. I hate following instructions. No one tells me what to do. I know you do. I follow HelloFresh instructions. Because I trust them. <laughs> uh, all meals come together in 30 minutes max, call for fewer than two pots and pans, and require minimal cleanup. Again, you don't have to spend time scrubbing a whole bunch of pots and pans and get missing important moments, wondering, wait, hold on, why was that a penalty? Why wasn't that a goal? Did offside <laughs> happen? I don't get it. Uh, HelloFresh makes it nice and easy so you can focus on the important things in life. There are also plenty of different plans you can try. You can do the veggie plan or the meat plan or the meat and veggie plan mm-hmm. um, and all kinds of tasty, delicious recipes. Did you say the meat plan? There's no meat plan? I, I think there's a classic plan. I don't think – it's okay. A, if you're a carnivore. I call it the meat plan. It's, yeah. it's a hamburger in between uh, two, like two chicken breasts. <laughs> That's the extra That's the meat bread, plan. yes. <laughs> to be clear, that is not on the recipe. It is not. If you go to the website, though, you can look at the menus, mm-hmm. and here are some of the things you will find. What you got? Figgy balsamic pork with roasted green beans and rosemary potatoes. If I ate pork, I'd be eating that. I'd eat everything else underneath mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Rosemary potatoes for the win. My, my brother's nickname is Figgy, so I'm okay. conflicted about that one. Oh, so this is more like a, a and I've also been watching. I've also been menu. watching the Hannibal TV series, so now I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> um, or how about chicken cheddar fajitas with bell pepper, lime crema, and pickled jalapeno? That, that, that sounds uh, easier and less like uh, cannibalism. So yeah, I'll go <laughs> yeah. with that one. I'll go with that one. Uh, on, more on the vegetarian end, mm-hmm. Tunisian stuffed peppers with chickpeas, apricots, and feta cheese. I love a stuffed pepper. I would eat that. And the last one I'll mention, because mm-hmm. otherwise it's just me listing recipes, yep. um, roasted veggie farro bowls with marinated cranberries and salsa verde. I'm going to tell you something you probably didn't know, Daryl. Tunisian? Uh, it means it's from Tunisia. It's a country. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, and you listeners are welcome because you can get $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. I get Daryl shaking his head. By going to HelloFresh.com slash TSS80 and entering the promo code TSS80. That's HelloFresh.com slash TSS80. And the promo code again is 
TSS80. And this is where I say it's our third show of the day, and I'm already a little bit weird. So <laughs> buckle up, because now we've got to talk the individual moments of this game. Is it going to get worse? I uh, probably will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's get to the goals, right? right? So the first big goal, the first big moment is mm. in the 10th minute, and it's Kristen Press justifying her starting selection, even if it had been a fully fit Mega Rapino, and everyone freaked out about it. This would be the moment where you have to go... Okay, this worked. Yes. Kristen I mean, Press scores in the 10th minute. Yeah, and I mean, and it's a very like, calm header at the back post. She puts it exactly where she needs to put it. But as with all goals that we talk about on this show, there's so much more to it. Because the real hero of this thing, mm-hmm. heroine, yep. is Rose Lavelle. She is, but not even for the reason like 100% why people would think. Because she has the wonderful dummy. We'll talk about that in a second. Mm. But I want to talk about the way the United States gets possession back to start this move. Okay. And it's basically England's game plan working. It's them kind of high-pressing, causing the United States yeah. uh, problems, making them uncomfortable, yep. and they have a bad pass, and it's they a loose ball. They force Becky Sauerbrunn to try and play a really risky ball at the line that mm. Lucy Bronze wins, and yes. England are about to be counterattacking the United States. Yeah. And it's a loose 50-50 ball, but it is like being played to, to Walsh. Yep. And it's just that Rose Lavelle comes sprinting in, covers about 15 yards, and makes Walsh uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So she gets to the ball before Rose Lavelle, but she takes a heavy touch. If Rose Lavelle doesn't cover that ground, doesn't make that defensive play, Walsh has time to kind of settle the ball, pick your head up, find opportunities, which is how England are able to find their equalizers because Walsh has time on the mm. ball. So that little uh, bit of effort from Rose Lavelle not only wins the ball back for the United States, but potentially prevents England from getting a great attack going. It's interesting, right? Because this is not what we associate no. with Rose Lavelle. We think stepovers. We mm-hmm. think the, the dummy that she does. We think the dribbling. We think the passing. Um, I always think she's like the weakest link in terms of defending in central midfield. And yet... Um, she Maybe she's the weakest link, yeah. but the weakest link was strong enough to win the ball back in the United States midfield. I can't believe how many times you just said the weakest link well, without you, trying to reference that show. I mean, I was tr- honestly, I was trying to think yeah. of ways to it's reference all, it. The only way to reference it is to say you are the weakest link. Yeah, but it goodbye, doesn't work, right? Yeah, because yeah, it's not goodbye. It's goodbye to the ball for England. Yeah. Uh, so Walsh, thank there you for that There you go. <laughs> Walsh accidentally <laughs> plays it to Kelly O'Hara. Um, and O'Hara is then able to set Tobin Heath running down the right wing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, like, there were a few moments in this game where I kind of went back to my frustrations with Tobin Heath of like, ooh, you maybe didn't need to do that much. Maybe you could have done this one a little bit faster. And this is one where I think that is the case, that she goes at the English defense, it kind of doesn't work, and she ends up holding up. But I think... She gets tackled, right, eventually. Uh, yeah, she gets tackled, and th- but then keeps she the ball. She recovers exactly. the ball, yeah. But I think because it's Tobin Heath, and this is kind of what she brings, is that th- name threat almost. Yeah, yeah. You can see the English players all almost like forming a wall, yeah, yeah. trying to prevent her from getting any closer to goal. They feel the Heath. But what they... Oh, my God. How how are you the one who's getting worse now? Um, but, but what they then don't do is focus on other runs from U.S. players. So Kelly O'Hara starts making a very good run. She's wide. She's on the touchline. She makes a run down yeah. the channel. Um, but I think, again, everyone's kind of fixated on Tobin Heath, and yeah. they want to prevent that threat first. O'Hara activated the invisibility cloak, right? Oh she, <laughs> yes. she did. Like, yes. No one yes. knew where she was. Yes. No one knew she was there because she was so far outside of the action, but still running down the right wing. I was just ready for another clunky pun, but instead, n- nothing. <laughs> no, don't put your hands up. I know there's more coming. Also important. Important, uh, Demi Stokes, mm-hmm. the left back, because she steps to try and get involved in tackling yeah. Heath. I don't think she actually gets there, right? When she steps forward, Rose Lavelle runs in behind mm-hmm. that into a really, really, really good spot. Yep, and yeah. so Tobin Heath then plays it into Rose Lavelle, and this is the moment of genius from Rose Lavelle, I think, because yeah. just standing there, she lets the ball go through her legs. It's, it's a dummy, but it's like a, an assisted dummy because it's into the path of Kelly O'Hara. Yeah. But if you're England and you think, like, okay, Rose Lavelle's going to get this ball, but back to goal so we can kind of step to her, uh, like, she's not going to be turning and going straight at the goal, but then suddenly balls into space, and now you've got an overlapping run from Kelly O'Hara. 
instead of thinking like, okay, we've got time, now you're all scrambling back and trying to drop yep. and, and figure out where you are on the fly. So, so essentially the Lavelle dummy yep. buys uh, Kelly O'Hara lots of time to be able to, mm-hmm. under no pressure, put in a really, really nice cross, right? Exactly. And honestly, like... Uh, I don't always love like referring to men's teams. You talk about women's teams, but yeah. this type of move is exactly what Greg Berhalter would like the U.S. men's national team to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. It's opening space, exploiting space to create crossing opportunities that are sort of un- uncontested. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, I guess the cross is somewhat contested, but not really. Is that a fair way to put this? It's half contested yeah. by Lucy Bronze. Yeah. So it's to the back post. Mm-hmm. For Kristen Press, who um, in the build-up to this, Kristen Press has pulled wide to give the U.S. width on the left side, right? Maybe she was expecting some sort of lateral ball. Maybe it's just to try and stretch England out. England don't get stretched out. The back four stays tight together, which means Lucy Bronze, you know, stays in the box close to her centre-backs. But the problem is when Kristen Press makes the run to the far post to be ready for the header, Lucy Bronze sees her, she checks, but she's still facing Kelly O'Hara. Right. So she has her back to Kristen Press. And even though she's checked and seen her once, she doesn't have eyes in the back of their head, so she can't track exactly where she's going to be, right? So when the cross actually arrives, Bronze is unaware of pre- uh, Press's precise location. Yeah. And th- and so you can see in that moment the, like, I'm getting set to jump straight up in the air and win this header. She does the like, little crouch you do before you jump, right? And then realizes there's no chance I'm winning this ball. Yeah. And you can just see her kind of quickly turn and recognize this is not going to be good. Yep. And she is correct because Kristen Press puts in a great header, yep. puts it in the net, 1-0 USA. Which is amazing because we spent a lot of time correctly, I'm yep. not taking this as counter evidence, but correctly praising Lucy Bronze's defending. Like yep. She's got great defensive instincts. But the U.S. managed to put her in a position where she did the wrong thing. Yes. And I wish, and a person who did the right thing, I wish we had gotten a, like a camera cut to Jill Ellis because you know that she had to be pleased that the person she put in that was probably, she knew was probably getting a lot of heat for on Twitter and wherever else to, for her yeah. to score that goal. It's got to make you feel good. I think she has like a, a, a blue bird cut yeah. out that she just punches. <laughs> I know, I know I'm now making the mistake of thinking that the U.S. coach cares at all about what Twitter has to say, but whatever, I'm going she with it. She might not even know what it is. I'm, she might not. We don't know. Um, but, so we're all feeling good. Things seem like they're going great. I mean, I'm still uh, feeling neutral. I've still got a team in the World Cup final. Now it's just going to be the U.S. I'm going to throw this out. Yeah. Daryl celebrated. Daryl was excited. There was a, you, uh-huh. were, you were enthusiastic about the Kristen Press goal. You you celebrated the England goal. You were like, "Oh, Kristen Press versus like Alan White." <laughs> like you, you were you were you were enthusiastic. We well, meant that we got a game on, right? Because yes. if this had finished with the US true. scoring Very two true. or three goals mm-hmm. in the first half, then you then we've got a not exciting soccer game yes. on our hands. When England equalised mm-hmm. nine minutes after Kristen Press scores, right, nineteenth minute, mm-hmm. um, it really made me think, "Oh, this is the end to end game that I was hoping yeah. for." Entertain me, England and the. US entertain me. <laughs> and, I mean, and and it's and it's the an example of the England game plan working because what mm. I was talking about before with with Walsh having the ball and ha- if she had had time and space, but Rose Lavelle denies her of that. Here, uh, Walsh is able to find space and time because the US have dropped off the way we talked about yeah. how they were going to do. Um, but I think because it's weird, right? Alex Morgan in a different defensive setup, Alex Morgan would have been with yeah. her and putting pressure on her, but because she's focused on being beyond the defensive midfielder mm-hmm. and on the defenders ready for the ball-over-the-top counterattack. It's kind of what you lose by doing that, right? You sacrifice having the person who can defend a deep-line defensive midfielder when yes. they have the ball. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and, and it, is the, it is the sacrifice right it's there the because if she drops in, then suddenly you don't have that outlet anymore and your attacking game plan is sort of nullified. Yeah. But if she doesn't, then it allows opportunities for England. Here, they're able to take advantage of it. It's a great ball uh, from Walsh. It's a big switch long to Meade on the far left channel. Yes. And I think the other thing that was confusing to the U.S., is that it seemed like they had kind of game planned for any sort of direct ball is going to be going to Ellen White. And I say that because 
in the lead up to this play, when it uh, when it actually ends up going out to Meade, both Kelly O'Hara and Abby Dahlkemper seem like they are prepared for it to be going to Ellen White, and they're yeah. both sort of like positioned in relation to the ball in such a way that makes it easy for them to collapse and like kind of front and follow yeah. uh, Ellen White and win that ball cleanly, so that when it goes wide to Meade, now suddenly that's not maybe where they thought the ball was yeah. going to go, and everybody has to slide across and try to find a new mark. They're doing the McNulty defending exactly <laughs> instead. Mm-hmm. Also, credit to Ellen White. I mean, we we noticed this in the preview, mm-hmm. right? We noted this in the preview. She's very clever yep. at being between defenders. Mm-hmm. She's between O'Hara and is it Dalkemper? Yeah. Um, and then in other moments in, during the game, she's very noticeably between the two centre backs, right? Between uh, Dalkemper and Sarabran. So no one knows which one picks her up. And I would say even this goal is a great example of of her cleverness because when that ball goes wide to Mead, Kelly O'Hara slides out, but she doesn't want to make the risk of like going flying in at full speed and getting beaten really easily because yeah. now she's been removed from the play so she goes wide and tries to hold meet up but I think is more or less okay with a cross coming in just as long as it's somewhat contested yeah Abby Dahlkemper I think anticipating maybe a low ball in for Ellen White which is what ends up happening she just gets bad positioning steps in front of Ellen White to be able to basically clear the ball away defend the near post Ellen White to her credit instead of kind of jockeying for position or trying to knock Abby Dahlkemper out of the way backs away and now makes a run so that she can sort of meet a bending ball that won't be uh, cleared by Abby Dahlkemper, but Alyssa Nyer can't come out and collect easily, and instead Ellen White is there to instep and put it in the far side netting. So is that why Dahlkemper's in the wrong position in the end? Is because yeah, she, she I think blocks so. the low pass to White, but then White essentially moves? Yes. Yeah, yeah basically. Instead of, I think Dahlkemper thinks she's kind of cutting off what White wants, but I think White is happy to then kind of recycle a run and find the ball in a different location. Okay, and then Ellen White does the, does the glasses... She uh, does. She is at this moment top scorer mm-hmm. in the Women's World Cup. Not this moment while we're talking, yep. but this moment in the game. She has six goals at this point. Morgan has five. Rapino has five. And it's and her candidacy is basically done at this point, right? Unfortunately, because unfortunately for you, because uh, basically with Alex Morgan scoring, which we'll get to in a moment, it means that now Ellen White, what same number of goals? Alex Morgan has more assists. Yeah, I said this to you during the broadcast. I forgot. There's a third place playoff. I. Is there? Okay, yes, I, I checked. There was. Okay. I went and double okay. checked. So, so third place. So she player. could still do it. Okay, all she right. She could still do it. It's going to be a weird decision it's for England. For. It's going to be a weird decision because there's been this rotation mm-hmm. a little bit with Jodie Taylor, and there's an argument she deserves to play a World Cup, another World Cup game, so she should start the third place game. But also, Ellen White is in the Golden Boot race, mm-hmm. so maybe England start two strikers. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, this, we don't need to preview the third place game. Right? Probably not so we much. We probably won't even review it. Probably not it's so the much. third place game. That is probably true. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but what we will definitely talk about is the go-ahead goal, the eventual winning goal yes. for the United States, courtesy of Alex Morgan. Alex Morgan, which again, puts her back top mm-hmm. of the goal-scoring charts because after this goal, she has six goals, three assists, so she is in the lead. Right. So it's a lovely goal from Alex Morgan, but as always, lots of other stuff to talk about because I think this is another great example of the United States being okay with being direct. Yeah. Because really this starts with, there's other moments, but the big, the big sequence here for me is Abby Dahlkemper. Big is the word. Yes, Abby Dahlkemper, right center back, a very long perfectly hit on a dime ball to yep. Kristen Press. I say that it's maybe slightly overhit in the sense that Kristen Press is like heels on the touchline, has to jump up, settle with her chest, but she brings it down perfectly. And key it thing is perfect here, from Press, right? And she, no, yeah. I've, I can't imagine anyone handling this better. I think no. most players head it just to keep it in play. Yes, but I would. I agree with that entirely. Well done from Kristen Press, but I would go back to Dahlkemper and say that if that ball is hit five yards further forward or five yards further back, it definitely goes out of bounds yeah. because Press has to scramble to try to get to it, and I don't think she brings brings it down cleanly, whereas because it is 
where Press is standing just a little bit high, she doesn't have to move. She can just jump and bring that ball down. Yes. And maybe because England weren't expecting a ball of that magnitude, of that precision, magnitude. Yeah, <laughs> they are a little bit scrambly here because this yeah. is where Lucy Bronze, I think, really gets caught out. The other, the other thing is that Lindsay Horan, yeah. playing left center mid, mm-hmm. has drifted over to the left like wing and about, yeah. caused an overload again. I'm not sure Crystal Dunn is involved, Mm-mm. but there's at least an overload well, with Horan and Press. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about like this is reminiscent of the goal kicks where they would like look for Horan or yeah, look yeah, yeah. for Press and then Horan would be there to pick up the ball and I think that's what we get here. But Lucy Bronze, for her part, I think isn't sure who she should go with because if she goes out wide to put pressure on Kristen Press, she vacates space, which Lindsay Horan is 100% going to run into yep. and take. And now she's got the ball almost certainly at her feet. Yep. She can go at goal or play a low ball in. But if she stays where she is, nobody puts much pressure on Kristen Press. And instead, Lucy Bronze basically doesn't do either thing. It's a moment of indecision, yeah. right? She can't decide whether to pressure Press or pressure Horan. And mm. in the end, she does neither. ends up between both of them, yep. but not between them in a way that prevents the pass, right? Because nope. what happens is Press gives it to Horan. And Horan, because Bronze hasn't, has decided not to step, because I think she's still just indecisive. Mm-hmm. Like She's probably worried about them Press going down yeah. the wing, right? Because that could be exploited as well. That's why Horan has time to pick out Alex Morgan's run, right? It's just essentially... A chipped ball into the area, a little bit of bend on it, but it's not some magnificent cross, right? No. It's just a chip. I mean, ball it's a in. great ball. It's a great yeah. ball. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, I don't mean does, to diminish yeah. it. I mean that it's essentially, it's not like some deadly swerving ball. It's she's got the time to just pick it out. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah and but I mean, it's it's perfectly well hit. It's perfectly weighted, so that like goalkeeper's not going to be able to get it. Defense not going to be able to track back. But the person who will meet it is a like on rushing full speed Alex Morgan who gets all the power behind it and just buries that header from. Not even close range, but from enough of like a like close enough distance that it's going to be really difficult for Telford to get a, a hand to at all. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of Telford, mm-hmm. is that another mistake that Phil Neville made? Possibly. Right? Because he started Bardley in all the big games so far because she's better at coming and claiming crosses, is my yep. understanding. My understanding is Telford maybe is thought to have better reactions. Yeah. And you saw a couple of good reaction saves from her, from like a Rose Lavelle yep. shot and a couple of things where the ball bounced in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end... The U.S. scores from two crosses, yeah. and I don't know that they were claimable crosses, but maybe Bartley does better and makes some decisions. Or just, just commands with, the box a little bit more. With maybe. this Morgan one, doesn't um, Telford step off her line as if to come she and claim step, it, yep. and then she steps back, and then once you do that, you're in all kinds of the wrong position yep. to save the header, right? So that may be the mistake there. Yeah, because even even if like it's it's natural and completely understandable to take that step towards the ball, if you watch it, she's taking that step, but she's focused on her positioning where she needs to be, and she isn't directing traffic she's not communicating she's not kind of letting anybody know anything i just wonder if that maybe if bardsley's there if she has a bit more like hey someone needs to step to Lindsay Rand, for example yeah, or maybe yeah. to Kristen press or hey watch that ball just a bit more familiarity maybe there's a bit more communication as a result yep all right still plenty to talk about Indeed. in this game we're only in the 31st minute here Yikes. it's 2-1 to the united states but first, but first today's show mm-hmm. is sponsored by Grip six belts. The US tightened up towards the end of this game. Grip six will tighten up and keep your pants up. <laughs> it will. I'm wearing my grip six belt right now. Uh, when you spend a, an entire summer in a small room, uh, like basically watching soccer all day and eating meals in between, your weight can fluctuate a little bit. That's what I found <laughs> because then I'll like we'll have sometimes when we have evenings and afternoons off where I can then go for a run and get a little bit of exercise and then I can tighten the belt up a little bit. But then maybe there are other days when we are in here and we have like breakfast lunch and dinner in the office maybe that belt needs to be loosened up a little bit and here's one of the really great things about grip mm-hmm. six belts um you know with the normal buckle and holes thing yeah. that you have to do i hate it there's only the distance mm-hmm. between the holes in your belt yep. 
That's all you're allowed, right? That's, that's the only changes you're allowed to make. With Grip6 belts, because it's the badger teeth gripping the webbing, you can make tiny, tiny adjustments, right? You can I do about fine margin adjustments as your weight fluctuates as you eat Mexican food from across the street. First of all, you should do that because that place <laughs> across the street is perfect. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you're absolutely right, though, that I never thought about that, how like – Dropping like dropping a belt like a loop size or having to go like further back in the loop, yeah. it's it's a huge bummer and not always necessarily your fault. You know, you get bigger throughout the day uh-huh. and then you get skinny at night. Uh, so when you wake up with your grip six belt, maybe you've got a bit more of a gap. Yeah, but uh, in between, yeah, you can just kind of have like little incremental adjustments, so it doesn't have to be a whole big thing. Because you know, when you like, it's not it's like slightly too tight for you to be comfortable, but then you have to drop to the next loop and suddenly I, I don't your know pants that because I, I wear a grip six belt. Exactly, <laughs> I don't even know these things anymore. <laughs> so there we go. Grip six belt is the belt for yeah. fine tactical adjustments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get money off the cost of a Grip6 belt if you go to grip6.com slash TSS. Mm-hmm. There you will see not just our logo proudly sitting at the top of the page. That would that would defeat the purpose. You'll see a deal to get, I think, 35% off a three-pack if you want to go all in on a bunch of Grip6 belts. Um, if you if you want just one belt yeah. for your one waist, mm-hmm. uh, you can buy one belt and instead use the discount code at checkout TSSXX. TSS. XX. Mm-hmm. Not because it's X rated, mm-hmm. but because XX is the Roman numerals for 20. Yep. That gives you 20% off. There we are. Thank you to Grip6 Belts for sponsoring today's show and for not being X rated. Just double X. <laughs> uh, now let's finish out our conversation about USA England because there mm. are definitely some moments to get to. No goals in the second half, although it seemed like they were going to be. Well, the ball was in the net once for England. It was. And they had um, an uncontested strike from 12 yards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Do you want to talk about the Alan White offside goal? I do. Mm. Um, okay, the first thing, it's isn't it again um, Walsh with time to pick out Jill Scott? Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's that thing again where we're in the 4-5-1. There's a huge gap between the 5 and the 1. Yep. Where Alex Morgan's all the way up top. And so that lets Walsh be there picking out passes. And the pass she picks out is Jill Scott, who's kind of in the, I guess, the half space mm-hmm. in between the lines, if we're going to get all, all nerdy about it. But then Jill Scott uses the outside of her foot to play an absolutely beautiful pass. Yep. I love this pass. I mean, you should. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It is perfectly weighted. It's perfectly hit. It's got the perfect spin on it to cause all types of confusion. But it's also perfect positioning from Ellen White to be in a spot where she's between the two center backs. Yeah, let me almost, guess. Between the center backs. Almost perfect positioning, I should say. Almost. <laughs> uh, because she's between the two center backs. She's kind of found that gap where neither one is 100% certain which one is actually marking her. And so when that ball is played through, there's that half second of, oh, wait, no, she's open. Now we should go defend her, as opposed to the immediate defensive action of knowing you're marking a player. Yeah. And in that, Ellen White is able to create a little bit of separation, finish expertly. You kind two, of knew, you kind of knew she was going to bend it around the goalkeeper, you right? Because she, she's done that so many times this tournament. Yeah. Stupid eyeglasses celebration. It was, brief, <laughs> it was briefly too... <laughs> To, to, no bias here, though. No uh, bias. VAR takes yep. a look at it mm-hmm. and finds that she's offside by... A body part? Two-thirds of her foot. Okay. Two-thirds of her boot. It's really strange, though, because I think the line in this one did not help. Because they didn't... When they drew it on the screen? Yeah, because the blue line that shows like where she would have been onside... Yeah, which definitely, is like the back of Houghton, right? Houghton's... Uh, I mean, uh, uh, no, no, it's the heel. Oh, sorry, it's the yeah, U.S. defending. Yeah, I'm yeah sorry, it's the I'm foot sorry. of Doc Ember. Um, so, like, that is clear. That shows conf- you. I got confused between my team. It's all right. For the second time. It's okay. Uh, but Doc Ember is, like, 
like toe, her big toe is the thing that would be the uh, onside yep. line. And then there's a red line that shows the offside, but that seems to correspond with uh, Ellen White's hand. So I think yeah. I think this is one where the like main camera angle, because of the angle it's at in relation to the lines being drawn, it's a little harder to make this one seem as obvious as I think yeah. it might have been. I actually think what's going on here is that they should move it like a few yeah inches yeah. farther up and the actual red line yeah. which proves that white is offside should be level with the edge of her toe with the yeah. edge of her boot mm-hmm. i think that would be such a fine margin that yep. think maybe it wouldn't even show up on television i think i think you're not wrong <laughs> or people would be arguing that actually she's onside yeah. and it was just safer for them to even though she i'm not mm-hmm. arguing that she was onside she's not she's offside Mm-mm. um it's easier for them to just cheat a little bit and make it look more obvious than it is yep right yeah kind of a conspiracy theory a little bit i yeah. mean I, I i don't think you're wrong because i i don't think there's a pr move for var right yeah. now right I think they've been a bit more careful about how they use it because mm-hmm. they're aware of all the sort of negative reactions yeah. to it. I think this is all part of it, making it look a little more obvious. I think it's. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're not wrong because the red line they draw to indicate the offside again, it's it's to Ellen White's like wrist, which yeah. uh, and does again, not amount. People should know you can't. Happen? Your arm right. cannot be offside because it's not mm-hmm. something you can play the ball with, right? That's the right. rule. The and so I still think this is correct, but I think it's correct in the way that Kristen uh, Crystal Dunn's third goal for the U.S. against France that was disallowed. It was Heath that scored, but Crystal Dunn that was offside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think I think in the same way that that was like, oh, come on. Like, also by like a half a foot yeah, or two thirds of a foot. Yeah. Not a foot the measuring distance, a foot like the thing on the end of your leg. Yes. But it's strangely, and I say this probably knowing that the penalty doesn't end up going in, but it's also strangely why I was kind of okay with that one going to VAR. Because if we hadn't had the VAR on the penalty decision, which we can talk more in depth about, I just saw all of the headlines from English papers being like, oh, England cheated, oh, yeah. England denied a chance. If Houghton hadn't missed this penalty... Yeah tomorrow's headlines in England would be all about uh, how VAR is unfair. Yeah. I guarantee, yeah. Instead, it's probably going to be some puns about penalties. Oh, no. I, what I mean to say is, like, if they hadn't gone back and var the Ellen White uh, penalty decision in the first place, yeah. then suddenly it's like, wait, so she's offside, but that line doesn't make sense. And then you're not going to use VAR to, to give us a penalty that oh, should have been see, given. See, see, and yeah. it would have been 100%. This makes no sense. So the, wor- is, the world is against us. Maybe the FIFA and the refs are just mm-hmm. getting better at sort of public perception of VAR and when yeah. to use it. So people are a little bit happier, maybe. It might be. Yeah? It might be. But should we talk about the penalty? Let's do it. Uh, okay. because, because I think it happens. Um, you had to step out to take a phone call for like a minute. You came back yeah. in and you're like, have things changed? Are you still feeling pretty confident? I was like, yeah, it seems like the United States has this pretty secure yeah oh and by the way yeah we switched to the 5-4-1 after the Ellen White offside goal that's the thing that triggers it we mentioned that earlier worth reminding you of that just now and I want to make a point there I think it's definitely worth reminding but also like another smart decision because Jill Scott is if you go back and watch between that like the four and the five the four defenders and the five midfielders she's found that pocket of space and it felt like pockets of space were starting to kind of uh, get more and more open as players get more tired as new players come in and it gets a little bit harder and so I think you can either try to have Julie Ertz be more aggressive in patrolling that spot but then you risk cards and free kicks and maybe being overly aggressive and overstepping and missing the ball so instead she drops in and fills the space literally where the ball went and that's where she stays for the rest of the game and you know what I think it I was wondering this at the time and I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure I actually think it makes it harder for Ellen White to get do that thing where she stands between centre backs and confuses them Mm -hmm. because literally there's less space between the centre backs when you have a back five than a back four yes right you can you essentially have more ground covered between you Mm -hmm. Ellen White has less space to exploit she does but then it's worth noting that the uh, penalty shout, which ends up being a penalty, uh, comes about from the United States essentially being pulled out of position again. Yeah. But this time, I want to say again, Phil Neville maybe made some questionable decisions here because Fran Kirby comes into the second half. And this turn from Kirby is another Rose Lavelle-esque masterpiece. It is absolutely yeah. 
including the Jill Scott pass, this is the best touch of the game. Uh, yeah, 100%, because it's it's a ball in to like Kirby, who has all three of the, like, I think Julie Ertz does step out and has two, uh, like, the two remaining midfielders in Sam Mewis and Lindsey Horan closing in on her, and she basically turns with one, just the outside of her foot turns and takes all three of them completely out of the play. Yeah. But because she... she fakes like she's stepping the other way first, Mm -hmm. right? And then she quickly turns with one foot and just breaks open the whole US defense. It is an absolute moment of magic. There's no way she should not have started this game. I agree. But I want to go back to what you just said there, breaks up on the whole US defense, because that's the other thing, is she's taking those three midfielders out, but she literally takes out three more American players. Was Kelly O'Hara come charging out? Kelly O'Hara, Abby Dahlkemper, there's one more in there. I can't remember if I wrote it down. I apologize. If I didn't, it looks like I didn't. But basically, yeah, she, I think she has three more uh, US like defenders then all step to her and try to close that space. She causes the panic, like yeah. Tobin Heath caused the panic in the England defense. Right? Yeah. yeah, and so then, then because everybody collapses on Kirby, now she has six players trying to get the ball off of her. She just plays in a very well-weighted pass in through those kind of on yep. defenders for the path of uh, Demi Stokes. Yes, Demi Stokes then is in behind England's defense, and all she has to do is square it for Ellen White, yep. and she does. Mm-hmm. Because the pass from Kirby is perfect, the pass from Stokes is also perfect across the box. Ellen White, it looks on first watch like she swings and misses, mm-hmm. like she did that one time against Norway. Then we see the replay and we think, oh, did Becky Sauberon catch her? Mm-hmm. Then we see the VAR many, many times. Yep. The ref took lots of looks at this, right? And I think the Total Soccer Show opinion that you and I both agree yep. on is Sauberon catches her, right? Yep. As White is like pulling her leg back to strike, Sauberon essentially runs into the back of her and catches that leg. And therefore, that's a foul. There's the a debate about like, does Sauberon run into her or does Ellen White in like, Put, by pulling the leg back to then follow through, does she then make contact with Becky Sauerbrunn? And I think where I am on it is that it doesn't really matter because... And Be- even if it did, it would have to be Sauerbrunn standing still exactly. for that to be not a foul. Yeah. yeah, but it's also the case that I think Becky Sauerbrunn, once this ball is very clearly going to be coming in from Demi Stokes, I think Sauerbrunn realizes I'm not going to be able to get goal side and kind of cut this pass out. So she changes her angle of pursuit and I think tries to go to the opposite side of Ellen White to then put maybe a block in if she goes for like the deflected pass back across goal yeah. or there's like flicked on shot to the far side netting then Sauerbrunn could be there but because she jumps basically from White's left it's like behind White on the left to behind White on the right when that foot comes through Sauerbrunn wasn't there then she's there so she's got to put herself in a position for that contact to occur so I think it's correctly given yeah it's one of those things that you might think is soft but that's a foul and it's in the box and it's a penalty kick Mm. right and now that we have VAR there's no like Oh, it was a soft foul, so maybe it's not a penalty. That mm-hmm. is not the way it works anymore. So if you're arguing that, you're arguing uh, pre-June 2019. <laughs> yes, you, you are. are, right? Yes. But, again, yeah, worth noting. Then you've got what, what the dog so changes. Yeah, about so that she can't, yeah. also can't get a red card for that. It's right. got, it's, you can only get a yellow card for a foul in the box because it's not, what's the word? Double jeopardy, there right? It, yeah. it can't be double jeopardy where you concede a penalty and get sent off, which is good for us because it means Becky Sabrin's not suspended for the final. Thankfully for that. Yeah. Um, but it also means that Steph Houghton stepped up, which we were, I, I would say, not surprised by as much as I was terrified because Steph Houghton <laughs> scored the indirect free kick against uh, the U.S. in the She Believes Cup, yep. scored the indirect free kick uh, against Cameroon in this World Cup. Seems like she can hit a ball. Seems like she can hit a set piece. I thought for all the world this ball was going in the back of the net. Yep. Uh, and then I jokingly tweeted later on, maybe it needed to be an indirect penalty for her to score it <laughs> because she gets this one She could have had someone so step up and like square it for her. I mean, we've seen, we've seen teams try to do that, right? Like, didn't Barcelona do that where instead of yeah. shooting Messi just laid it behind 
behind him and then somebody ran through and smashed it. Yeah, well, it. I think you have to play it forward. Oh, yeah, maybe I he played think, it forward slightly. But there's yeah. a famous Johan Cruyff thing where he yeah. does it, right? You run up to it, but then you just touch it for someone else to yep. run on. Goalkeeper comes out, you square See? it back, and then Johan Cruyff scores. Could have gone for it, England. Instead, Steph Houghton really telegraphs what she's doing here. Big, she does, because right? um, we've talked about this before that it, like, in order to put it, if you are taking it with your right foot and you want to put it into like to the keeper's left, you basically have to like open up your hips. It usually requires, unless your pursuit like angle of approach is very, very severe, you basically have to run up in step it and open up your hips so it's yep. clear that you're going to the far far corner. Mm-hmm. In this case, but you don't make it clear to the last minute, is right? The plan. Yeah. That's the idea. Here, Steph Houghton, from the moment she approaches this ball, makes it clear it's going to Alyssa Nair's right. Yep. Like, Closed hips. I- yeah, the whole way. But the way she's leaning, like she's already leaning to the left and she takes it, which means to me that she's putting it, like leaning but over the ball. Like she's definitely trying to get her, her knee over it to put it back across herself, but like low, the way Megan Rapino hit uh, against Spain. Yep. So I think she very clearly telegraphs this. It's still a great save from Alyssa Nair, who not just saves it, but holds it. And yeah. then when, when mobbed by teammates, tells everyone to go away, basically. <laughs> Get, go forward, go. I love that they all yeah. listen to her as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They all scatter. Yeah, yeah. She's not one to be trifled with. But she it's, is not. It's, oh, a, it's great that Alyssa and I had a moment, right? Because all yeah. the doubts coming into this about Hope Solo yeah. uh, being you know, replaced by Alyssa and I, she saved a penalty in the semifinal in the 83rd minute. You know who had no doubts about Alyssa and I? This guy right here. That is not true. Well, not about that one game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, she she justifies the hype. She has that save. She has a save at the end of the first half as well. She's got like a full stretch push, pushing it beyond for a corner kick from England. Yeah. So I think, yeah, two big, two big saves. Obviously, the penalty slightly overshadows. The other thing that I want to go back to, because Phil Neville is Phil Neville, uh, I saw afterwards there was a question about why didn't Nikita Paris take this penalty. Uh, I think oh, yeah, in, I she think was the taker in the earlier games. England right? had missed two already, I think, though. And did Nikita Paris miss one? I think she, she did. did right? So Phil yeah. Neville stepped up and made it clear that it was his choice. Just kidding. No, he didn't. He said it was a team decision. It was a team decision as to step out and taking the penalty. Interesting. Uh-huh. Maybe that's true. Maybe he's just trying to avoid responsibility. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. Uh, but you know what's not a maybe? That, that the United States, I think you made this point as well, best team in the world at seeing out, <laughs> seeing out the final few minutes. I really think this is true. <laughs> yep. I absolutely think this is true. Every time the U.S. got the ball, pretty much after this penalty, yep. right, they would very deliberately go to the corner um, have someone like Alex Morgan stand on the ball, just invite you to... She'd move the ball with the top of her foot, a bit of futsal, soul rolling, mm-hmm. um, invite you to try and tackle her and concede either a foul or a throw-in. And I think the smart part is it's not Alex Morgan on her own. We haven't committed loads of numbers forward, but we've committed Alex Morgan forward. And then like if she's on the left, mm-hmm. say, uh, Christian Press would be just behind her. So if the ball pops loose... Kristen Press has possession. Yep. If Alex Morgan just gets in trouble and a pass opens up, she can be like, oh, I'll give it Kristen Press and she can yep. do it now. So, and then Carly Lloyd does this really well yep. when she comes on for a bit. Um, so the US just absolutely brilliant at like, killing that clock and running down minutes. They're also very practical in that moment. This is a thing we talked about uh, with the France game, how they're like, they seem very aware of, instead of getting involved in the kind of physical altercations necessarily, it's more about like, I am solely focused on keeping possession of the ball. And then if I get kicked or shoved, then I'll fall over. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I what I especially enjoyed about the U.S. in these final few minutes is that they would do that. And like Carly Lloyd especially, Carly Lloyd gets knocked off the ball. You see her look to the referee. The referee does not give it, and she is up and going. It's yeah. not a like, oh, now I'm going to sit here and be annoyed because I didn't get the call. There's no time for that. You're trying yep. to win out a game. So they're up and after it again, and the focus was there, and it needed to be. And on the flip side, if they go down, I saw Alex Morgan do yeah. this. She goes down, and the whistle goes, and it's definitely a free kick. Yep. She stays down, mm-hmm. right? She's probably fine, but why get up quickly when you're trying to run the clock down? You can stay on the ground and 
waste 10, right, 15 seconds. Right? right up until the referee's about to call for the trainers, which means that you then have to step off the field yeah. and then Alex Morgan gets it's back up. It's just a bit, I mean, we mm-hmm. are a CONCACAF nation. Exactly. It's a bit of solid CONCACAFing, right? It sure is. And it's, it's game savvy, it's game management, yep. right? And I think what I learned in this final few minutes is wonderful as this England team is. Like, I really think they're one of the best teams mm-hmm. in the world right now, like top four, top yep. five. Um, I mean, top four if they made the semifinals, mm-hmm. you can argue, right? Um, you could see the tournament championship like winner yeah. inexperience in these final few minutes mm-hmm. as uh, I think Nikita Paris gets a yellow card all the England players look super Bright, break it sent off break it sent off yeah. I forgot about this Second for a, a way too aggressive side tackle yeah, right? she o- was over, over the top on Alex Morgan. over the top of the ball yeah that's, that's the obvious example that I should have gone with right yep. and by they, the way that's not a euphemism of like it was way over the top it means like literally she went over the ball and got Alex Morgan's leg yeah so you could see England just being mm-hmm. so desperate and frustrated that they weren't calm enough in those final yep. few moments to hand all this in the way that the U.S. handled this. Yeah, and I think that probably, like, not that I have any sympathy for Phil Neville, but that's probably the thing that will frustrate him the most in the end is that in those final, after that penalty kick, and that's kind of what happens when you have a chance to equalize and then don't, like, heads are always going to go down. But at that point, and then obviously the red card helps with that too, it never felt like England were kind of battering the U.S. and the United States was holding on. It felt like it was a lot of the United States holding the ball in the corner, drawing a foul, taking that free kick short drawing a foul and I think that's how you've got to be if you want to kind of win out and make it to the final which the United States now have and they set an example for teams that want to sort of be champions they do (laughs) to quote the Jose Mourinho puppet Um, just big picture long term I'm thinking I quite I enjoyed this game I think if England stay being a really good nation at, at soccer this could be a long-term rivalry. Yeah, with the teacup from Alex Morgan mm-hmm. and all, and the hotel stuff. It got chippy. We might have the beginnings of a rivalry here, and I. This may be a conversation we can have after the Women's World Cup, but. We don't know what the future holds for women's soccer, right? One of the things that's been on the table at some point is the Global Nations League, where instead of it being regional like it is with UEFA mm-hmm. and CONCACAF, um, you have the best women's soccer teams in the top group. This could, like, they could meet again, um, cl- maybe in the Olympics if Great Britain go, right? There so this, go. this whole thing could happen again, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm, I'm here for USA Great Britain in the Olympics for sure. Yeah. I'm also here for injury updates uh, because we should probably mention those as well. Uh, post-match, both Rose Lavelle and Megan Rapino said Ooh. that they would be fine for the World Cup final. Um, I'm assuming that that is a I am fine no matter what because I want to play in the final. I'm guessing <laughs> yeah. medical staff will evaluate closer to kickoff. Maybe one of them could donate their hamstring to the other and you could get one fit player. Should work. Out of the two. Science. <laughs> Science. Uh, worth mentioning, there's another semifinal tomorrow. <laughs> it's Netherlands, Sweden. Um, I don't think I'll be able to watch it with you because doing chemotherapy, mm-hmm. but I think you'll be having a guest on to talk about that game and Ideally. maybe this game again. We'll see. Ideally, yeah. Nothing's in the books nope. just yet. Mm-mm. The U.S.'s next game, we know, is Sunday, Mm -hmm. right? Sunday, July 7th, the World Cup final for the third time in a row. There we go. Let that sink in. America. America, 2011, 2015, 2019, will be there again. Coyloid's going to get that hat trick this time. (laughs) Did she get one against Japan? She's going to get another one this time. (laughs) Are you ready to wrap up? I think I am. All right, and I will say, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me a lot today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening. We will have the US Jamaica uh, Gold Cup semi final preview out for you later this evening.